Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 313 of this Daily Studies Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us today as we uh, continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials, covering Doctrine and Covenants sections 125 to 128 in the week of November the 1st to November the 7th. And today uh, we're going to begin our look at the final section in this um, kind of compilation of sections in section 128. In terms of the background and context of section 128, it is rather similar to the context of Doctrine and Covenants section 127. Uh, Both of them are epistles from the prophet Joseph rather than revelations directly from the Lord himself, but they are obviously inspired by the Lord uh, through his prophet. Um, It was given just around about a week later, actually. Um, The previous revelation was on the 1st of September or recorded on the 1st of September, whereas this one um, is on the 7th of September. And it was given whilst um, the prophet was in hiding. Um, due to the accusations of the attempted murder of the former Missouri governor, Lilburn W. Boggs. And so um, we have here this idea that um, it's further instructions about baptisms for the dead. Um, and really, to be honest, that's that's all that we need to know about the background and context. We spoke a lot about um, the context of um, this, the previous section, um, a couple of days ago, uh, and re- in reality, uh, this context and background is the same. It's just a little bit later. Uh, this letter was sent to the saints. It was read out on the 11th of September. Uh, and from that point, the saints took a much more concerted effort uh, to make sure they had systematized and organized the um, the process of doing baptisms for the dead. Um, so, what we'll do is we'll dive straight into the section because this is a much bigger section though than the previous one and we'll see what we can get through uh, on this um in in this section there are some very specific directions uh, given in this letter in regards to recorders and um, individuals who keep a record of these baptisms for the dead how rather than having um, a random assortment of individuals there should be uh, an individual called in each ward or area who is able to um, take these accurate uh, in, um, events or accounts or uh, baptisms. Um, and then there's a general recorder who keeps the record of all the records of the church. And it goes into a lot of detail in verses three and four. And then in verse five, it says, you may think this order of things to be very particular, but let me tell you that it is only to answer the will of God by conforming to the ordinance and preparation that the Lord ordained and prepared before the foundation of the world for the salvation of the dead who should die without a knowledge of the gospel. Um, He points out that this is very particular and very detailed, but it is only because the Lord wants things in order and that they've been given this great blessing. And so it's their responsibility to make sure that it is all in order. President Joseph Fielding Smith said, quote, What a glorious privilege it is to know that the family organization will remain intact. It is not destroyed. It does not come to an end wherein we have compiled with the divine law by virtue of the keys which are held by the presence of the church. We may go into the house of the Lord and do these things and be baptized for our, for our dead. Those who have died, the scriptures say, 
Our duty is to search out the dead, and I am very grateful that the church is helping us in these matters by securing the records of the dead that we might have them, and our duty is to perform the necessary ordinances in the behalf of our in their behalf in our temples. Close quote. I mean this is President Joseph Fielding Smith speaking. I'm not sure what year he was saying this in. Obviously it was a number of years ago, um, but now today, you know, the church is a huge force in documenting and organizing in transcribing and digitizing records of men of individuals who have gone on before us so we can do this work um and of course the world is benefiting from this work that they do as well in terms of family his- history and recording um names of ancestors and dates and things like that so it really is a, a great blessing that we have been given to do this joseph smith then continues and talks about um how this ordinance is a great blessing um, and is binded and is bound on earth as well as in heaven. I then like how in verse 9 it says, It may seem to be some to be a very bold doctrine that we talk of, a power which records or binds on earth and binds in heaven. Nevertheless, in all ages of the world, whenever the Lord has given a dispensation of the priesthood to any man by actual revelation or any set of men, this power has always been given. Hence, whatsoever those men did did in authority in the name of the Lord and did it truly and faithfully and kept a proper record and faithful record of the same, it became a law on earth and in heaven. Um, I love how it's pointed out that this is a bold doctrine, and yet it is one which is true uh, and has, and has happened uh, over many years um, and many times throughout history. Elder Garrett W. Gong said, quote, and so it is today, sacred covenants and ordinances not available anywhere else are received in 159 holy houses of the Lord in 43 countries. Promised blessings come through rest- restored priesthood keys, doctrine and authority reflecting our faith, obedience and the promises of his Holy Spirit to us in our generations, in time and eternity, close quote. This is a bold doctrine. This is a great blessing. Um, to us as members of the church today and to our ancestors and to the world um, and it is this opportunity to have this role to support our, our loved ones beyond the veil as we continue forward in the section in verse 13 we are taught a symbolism of the baptismal font itself um, in verse 13 it says consequently the baptismal font was instituted as a similitude of the grave and was commanded to be in a place underneath where the living are wont to assemble to show forth the living and the dead and that all things may have their likeness and that they may have accord with one another that which is earthly conforming to that which is heavenly um this is why in many and most of the temples in the world the baptismal fonts uh, for the for proxy baptisms are underground are kind of in a basement level of the temple um, as it was with the Nauvoo Temple, uh, as it was being built. I mean, I think that um, there is obviously symbolism to that, uh, and clearly it is meant to be a similitude or a representation of the grave. Um, and putting in line things that are earthly and heavenly, um, George F. Richard said, quote, um, It is also written, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not a robbery to be equal with God, a high aspiration indeed, but both scriptural and reasonable. It is written that things earthly are typical of things heavenly. It is most natural that the Son should desire to become like the Father, either in an earthly or heavenly sense. In this thought and possibility there is great comfort, 
an encouragement for one to enter into every necessary covenant of faithfulness and to keep faithfully the covenants entered into, close quote. This aligning of the heavenly and the earthly is an important part in our lives that we need to seek to um, undertake as well. And those, well, all of God's children are born with the light of Christ. We all have this innate desire uh, to become like our, our saviour and our father. Um, of course, that may be diminished over time uh, if we do not act upon those promptings and if we do not try and seek Christ in our lives, but it can burn brighter and brighter as we make more correct choices and more uh, and seek to be more in tune with, with him, uh, which is a great blessing, which would be a great blessing to us to support us. Um, and then in verse 15, we have the well-known verse where it says, And now, my dearly beloved brethren and sisters, let me assure you that these principles in relation to the dead and the living cannot be lightly passed over as pertaining to their salva our salvation, for their salvation is necessary and essential to our salvation. As Paul says concerning the fathers, that they without us cannot be made perfect, neither can we without our dead be made perfect. Um this indicates that this ordinance, this life-saving ordinance for our ancestors is also saving for us. Elder David A. Bednar said, quote, as, as Elder Russell M. Nelson has taught that the spirit of Elijah is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, this distinctive influence of the Holy Ghost draws people to identify, documents, and cherish their ancestors and family members, both past and present. The spirit of Elijah affects people inside and outside the church. However, as members of Christ's restored church, we have the covenant responsibility to search out our ancestors and provide for them the saving ordinances of the gospel. They without us should not be made perfect. Close quotes. In, the, in terms of how with, I mean, it's quite clear how they without us can be made, can't be made, cannot be made perfect. They do not have a physical body. They therefore cannot undertake the physical ordinance of baptism and other physical ordinances that take place in the temple. And as such, you know, that is quite clear, I think. In terms of the way that we, without them, cannot be made perfect, um, we remember, of course, that exaltation is a family matter. We know that the the way that we receive more happiness and more um, peace and more satisfaction in the world after this is when we have more family, familial relationships which build upon and, and support and strengthen one another. I mean... For those that have a loving family around them, you know, you know, a taste of what celestial life will be like. Um, and, you know, we have moments, I mean, obviously there are some moments, particularly those with young kids who don't feel, and actually, to be fair, older kids, I'm sure, um, who sometimes don't feel that way. Um, I, and that's obviously part of mortality. But in those moments where you sit and you are together and you have that harmonious relationship between one another, you've, you've, sent, you've tasted that, you've sensed that. Um, and so without our family beyond the veil, we cannot be made more perfect without them. And of course, the blessings of temple work and temple worship make us more soul, holy and sanctified. And the only way that we can do the work in the temple is to do the work for those who have gone beyond the veil. Um, it is interesting, actually, how, and I know I'm over time here, but I just wanted to make this point. It's interesting how in the temple, the only way we can go and do something in the temple is if we have a name or if there is a name to do some work for somebody else. It's a very um, self-sacrifice. It's, it's, it's not self-serving. It's not self-centered. It is to do work for others. And it's in that work that we are brought closer to the Savior and we see more of the role that he had. 
And I think I could probably do a whole episode of study based on that, to be honest. Um, But that is a a wonderful blessing and principle to learn. Thank you very much for listening today. And until we meet again.